0: Today we are talking about divorcing a narcissist. This is the second in a series on divorcing a toxic spouse. The first one was divorcing an alcoholic. Today we're going to talk about a narcissist and you know truthfully alcoholics and narcissists have a lot in common. Alcoholics are have a narcissistic tendency that is driven by their desire to drink. Narcissists are people who are focused, much like the name implies, almost exclusively on themselves. Everything is about them. Everything is about them being the king, them being the winner, them being the golden boy or girl. And what that means when they get into a relationship is that they're gonna be drawn to people who admire them, look up to them, that think that they're the greatest. Uh, And actually, we know what we know about falling in love is that falling in love is an experience of feeling like you're the greatest with someone. Now, narcissism is not, they're not stupid people. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. They know that they need to Give other people a good feeling as in order to get a good feeling. They may not live by that all the time, but the reason why you can fall in love with a narcissist is they can be very charismatic. They can be very smart. They can even feel uplifting at times. In fact, if they feel like you're on their side, you're on their team, you're in with them, it's the greatest feeling in the world because they flood you with their charismatic love. It's when you're out of alignment with the narcissist that the problems begin. Narcissists are all about winning. They're not just about me first, they're about me winning. And they're about me winning over you. They're not me winning over the world necessarily, but the people that they're in direct relationships nar- with. Nar- narcissists really require... Uh, a cheerleader, someone that they can be dominant with, someone that they can feel better than that may not come out right away in the relationship though. So it's not unusual for people to marry a narcissist, you know, being drawn to these very charismatic characters who feel very warm in some ways uh, and find out later on in the relationship mm, that it's not so good. And usually when they find out is when they have children together. So let me tell you a story about someone that we were working with who was divorcing a narcissist. Um, I have had a client who, wa- who married a narcissist and they had a great relationship until they had their first child. And when they had their first child, that was when my client's attention moved from the narcissist to the child big mistake, right? Because narcissists are all about themselves. And she also noticed that the narcissist behavior to the child was less than parental, we're going to call it. So what that means is that the narcissist would treat the child in a way that she thought was not healthy or good for the child. And this started to trigger, this is what triggered her awareness that her husband was a narcissist that the narcissist would both uh, build the child up, but the second that the child stepped out of line with his idea of how that child should be, he'd squash him. And that's the kind of thing that triggered things for her. But she thought maybe she was misseeing things. And what happened over time is that her husband started to disappear uh, on work trips a lot. And we all know what happens when a husband disappears on work trips a lot well, we don't all know. It isn't always true, but sometimes it's true that when that happens, it's because they've got something else going on. And so he wasn't present very much when he was there. uh, he he Generally, he would be home when the child was sleeping. So somehow he intuitively knew that not interacting with the child was going to allow him to get the attention that he needed, wanted, had to have in this relationship. And it also diminished my client's experience of him as a hostile father. And uh, the first sign that something was wrong was she was uh, going through his suit and found an invitation to a wedding. And the wedding happened to be for her husband, the narcissist, and somebody in another city. Big red flag, right? Meanwhile, she got pregnant and had another child hoping to fix the relationship uh, and what the, the, the punchline of the invitation was he begged her for forgiveness please 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 I'll never do it again um, just love me love me love me and there's a whole backstory to his narcissism and how it became that way that we're going to spare you because we don't have time like this is this is a 20 minute experience at most and we've got maybe 14 minutes left here He begged her on his hands and knees, begged her, oh, please take me back, please. I've been so bad. Oh, and she forgave him, believing that it would never happen again. So now they have two kids, and the narcissist's strategy has changed as the first child has aged. First child is five, second child is one. And now the narcissist sees the child as someone he can shape into himself. And so this is the pattern with the narcissist with children. The the narcissist will have one child that they will try and shape into themselves and they'll have another child who becomes the scapegoat. And very similarly in her marriage to him, he did everything right and she did everything wrong. He is the golden child. She is the scapegoat. So no matter what meal she made, it was no good. No matter what she did with the house, it was no good. Um, Unless she did exactly, exactly, exactly what he said and then she might get a gold star. And he's off on more business trips and she's wondering what's going on here. uh, And he's gaslighting her. He's saying, oh, don't worry, Emily, no problem. Like I'm just working, you're just imagining that these other things are happening. You're just imagining that smell on me. Oh, somebody at work gave me a hug. Don't worry about it. Oh, I didn't come home last night. Yeah, I just, I missed the last train home. Don't worry about it. It's all good. And this is pre-cell phone. So there's nothing, there's no way, there's minimal way to have contact. Why didn't I call you? Oh, it was late. I didn't want to get you up. So, you know, he's basically telling her it's all in your imagination it's all good, of course I love you, I'm still here for you, everything's wonderful. Meanwhile, he's grooming the first child to be just like him and the second child is receiving all the crap that rolls downhill, because that's where crap goes. Another couple of years go by, um, he's almost never home. They're starting to fight more and more. She really is sure something's wrong and she finds another invitation in his coat and it's him getting married to someone else again, she calls it off and she dumps him. And the divorce was really ugly, very contentious. She was bitterly, bitterly hurt, so angry. And when she came to me to work on this, she really just wanted to know, how can I minimize the impact of this man on my children? she didn't even care about herself. She was so furious with him. She would have killed him if she, if she had a weapon and the, and the opportunity and the inclination, really so furious with this. So she felt so betrayed. Uh, she felt so dishonored. Uh, she couldn't believe that she'd allowed him to treat w- these children the way that he had, to be so absent. And then he, when he was there, to sort of groom one, to be like him, a sort of dishonest, and self-seeking and the other one, just a recipient of all his scorn, blame, and shame. She, and she was deeply, deeply, deeply ashamed. All right, so the work that we did together first was, how to, was she to create some safety? She had, uh, fortunately, he actually moved out. He had, he had had enough, he moved out. Money was not an issue for the family at that time. And The first thing that she did was she set some clear boundaries, that he was not to be in the house at all. He could come in and pick up the children and leave with the children in his time off, but she was going to make sure that her home was going to become a sanctuary. She needed a sense of safety first, because she had lived under criticism and gaslighting and lies for so long that she just couldn't stand to have that going on. Some people will go as far as to get an app, but at this time, they didn't have apps. Um, the divorce was actually relatively quick because she was very clear about what she wanted from him and she was willing to have 50 50 custody and so the next piece was to work on how to build up the children the older child was a problem because he was—he really had a serious case of golden child syndrome. And so, what it required for her was she needed to get into a space where she could really practice some what's called authoritative parenting. So, authoritative there uh, there's four basic parenting styles. One is sort of benign neglect. The other is uh, rules that aren't enforced. There's authoritarian parenting, which is where you're very intense rules that you enforce all the time. Then there's authoritative parenting, where you give the child attention, boundaries, consequences. Um, You teach them in a limited context to choose and give them limited freedoms at first so that they're taking small risks, et cetera, et cetera. So we worked on an authoritative parenting plan. And the idea was to teach the older child that there were actually boundaries because he was becoming more and more like his father. Just thinking, I can anything goes, I can do whatever I want. If I just lie, everything will be fine. And with the younger child, it was about building him up because his self-esteem was absolutely crushed. And so she developed this plan and worked it with them. And in order to do that, she needed to have this sense of safety and security in place. Without a sense of safety and security, our fight or flight mechanisms get triggered and authoritative parenting goes out the window because authoritative parenting is very much driven by our cerebral cortex, which is a rational part of our mind. Uh, the, you know, The other two parenting styles are, the other three parenting styles, excuse me, are either intense amygdala reactions or uh, just giving up in some way, shape or form on different levels. And so she developed some prayer practices in her life. She got back touch in touch with her church. She developed connections within her church, with her pastor, with uh, friends in the church, and gradually she brought other male influences into the lives of these two boys. That not by the way, we're not talking about lovers. I'm talking about friends. Her pastor friends from the church into their lives, her, her own parent, who was her own father, who was, uh, you know, a relatively straightforward human being with, with a deeply caring heart and a strong sense of values and principles. She brought, consciously brought other men who were other than this narcissistic personality into the lives of her children to mentor them, to help build them up and also to rebuild her own sense of trust, in what a relationship should be, in what a man, what kind of man she could have in her life. She basically took all the experiences that she had with that narcissist and transformed them into lessons for her own life. And she brought in people who were not like her narcissistic, the narcissistic parent of her children for to be role models to her children. And there was a, it was a very step-by-step process that we built together. And the outcome was that, with some with outside help, uh, both of her children were re- recovered and were healthy. Uh, the and they learned skills and talents for dealing with their narcissistic parent. They started to uh, learn what gaslighting was. They started to learn how to deflect it. They started to learn. The older child learned that it's okay to make mistakes. That you don't have to be perfect that it's okay to not always be the center of attention, that um, part of growth is to work collaboratively with others. The the older child learned greater empathy for other people, which is one of the things that's really missing for the narcissist. The younger child slowly built up in self-esteem and standing on his own two feet so that he was no longer a victim of bullying and no longer bullied others. We'll do a whole segment on bullying another day. And the outcome overall was good. So if you are in a relationship with someone who has a narcissistic personality, similar to what I just described, here are the things you need to know. Narcissism is a diagnosable mental illness. However, people who behave narcissistically are not always diagnosably narcissistic. What that means is on a scale of one to 10, the narcissist might be a 10, You might be in a relationship with someone who's a seven or an eight. They might have what's called narcissistic tendencies. They might not be completely all the way to the extreme like this woman's husband was. Regardless, a lot of the behaviors are going to be similar. What it means, though, is that they might be a little easier to work with. They might give in areas where a full-on narcissist won't. It's not about whether your partner or your X or your soon to be X is a narcissist or not. It's about where are they on the scale and where they are on the scale is going to give you an idea of what kind of boundaries you need to set, what kind of actions you need to take and what the damage has been to your children, if any. Uh, Well, if any, it's a joke because our children come into the world, these sort of perfect vessels and everything they learn about the world is from us. And we are broken creatures ourselves. And as much as we're all getting better and improving, no matter what, uh, the joke is every child needs therapy because all parents are imperfect. It's just how it is. All right. So rolling back from that, you want to assess what the damage is. You want to look at what were your reactions to the narcissist? Where did you give in where maybe you shouldn't? Where, uh, where do you need to stand for yourself first and your family second? What does it mean to stand for yourself it means where are you going to say no what are you not going to tolerate and not tolerating it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to attack them and go into all-out warfare it might just mean that when the narcissist starts gaslighting you you're going to say excuse me i'm going to agree to disagree with you here let's move on or if you're feeling really triggered if they start gaslighting you and you get scared or angry or you want to attack them you, you might say excuse me, I need a few minutes. Let's talk when I'm feeling a little more calm. Instead of you narcissistic SOB, I can't believe you're lying to me again, right? If you said that to them, they would totally discount it. And that's the thing you need to get is that the frame of the narcissist is I'm right, you're wrong. Now, when you're actually divorcing a narcissist, you get a certain amount of immunity to this because the when you're in the divorce process, you are either before a judge who's an authority outside of your relationship with the narcissist, and the narcissist will not transfer their relationship with you onto the judge. They will go with what the judge says. Or maybe you have a mediator, and again, the mediator will not transfer your relationship to the mediator. They'll view the mediator as an authority in that relationship. Now, and the thing to remember in both those situations is that narcissists are the masters of charm. They're the masters of inviting people in an illusion. So what you're going to want to do if you're in that kind of space with a narcissist is you're going to want to make sure that you're documenting any dishonesty, any breach of trust, and you want to document it in a journal form. Uh, If you go before a judge, then, or even a mediator, when you have when you have pages With documentation in it, that tells them that there was a level of pain going on that's different than when you just say, He's such a liar, you can't trust him. When you go and say on June 4th, 1997, what he did was, and on October 7th, 2019, what he does, God willing, you won't be married to them that long. You know, when you have those kinds of records and documentation, you're gonna be taken a lot more seriously. And also, it's really important for you to take those kinds of notes because you're a lot less likely to be gaslit if you have notes on every time you felt betrayed, every time you felt you were lied to, every time you felt a promise wasn't kept. And because the whole nature of gaslighting is to convince you that what you believe isn't true. And if you've documented these things, you can go back and say, you know, he said I'm wrong, but I remember that on June it was this, in October it was that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the... the The tools for battling a narcissist are documentation, boundaries, creating a sense of safety and space for yourself, and turning to examples of people that are operating within your value system. And the last thing I want to say about this is it's not unusual when we're in a relationship with a narcissist to find that our value system has somehow been squelched and crushed by the narcissist through gaslighting, through our own denial, through our desire to make it work. Sometimes we're trying to protect the children from the narcissist. We're trying to keep them from being explosive through all these things. Sometimes we lose sight of our own values and principles. And that's why, like in the example, that story I told you about my client, it wasn't until she started seeing her narcissistic partner being abusive to her child that she really started to get triggered. And even then, it went on for a good seven years until he stepped, really stepped in it again with her. And that was when she said, you know what? This is over. I'm not going to allow this to go on anymore. And then she started to discover her values. Then she started to discover the road to safety. Then she started to discover how to protect her children and help them protect themselves. Okay, that is all that we have today. If you have a narcissist in your life and you have questions or you think you have a narcissist and you're not sure, reach out to me at bit.ly forward slash end the fight, E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T, all one word, bit.ly forward slash end the fight or rich at richinrelationship.com. Thank you so much.